Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Michael Daniels. How's it going this week, Mike? Man, that was a good intro. You did good. I'm, I'm great. How are you tonight? <laughs> it's like you've done Not this once or twice. That's bad. amazing. Right, Talk right. About, we, I'm, are, I'm, we are. I'm with the professional here. This is, I got a little tingles we are, on that we are on. We're on episode 39. We're almost to 40. I know. It's like this, uh, doing this almost uh, six months. You're gonna you're gonna leave me for a professional uh, announcement gig, you know, like Casey Kasem. You're gonna take over for the the big drop ball drop on New Year's. Welcome to this year's <laughs> New Year's right. Rockin' Eve. This is Dennis I'm, Rogers, and I'm here with what's that guy's name? I don't even know that guy's name anymore. But. How's the How's the house going, man? You lost me. Did you get any uh, uh, Ryan Seacrest? So, That's so, slowly but surely. I made it over there um, this past weekend to. I always want to say lay tile, but I'm putting tile on the wall. <laughs> so I don't know, hang tile. I don't really know. Tile on the what wall. Phrase, you're going to be like yeah, the, sideways walking into your house. I think you're yeah, walking it's the showers walls. around. But oh, okay, all right. Um, working on that to challenge because it's old walls. It's where the where the bathtub shower is on the second floor it used to be a closet. Okay, and so it's all ex- it's all existing walls that are not square, right? As, as the the, que- the question is after at this point years. would it have been better to tear down the house and build it from the bottom? That's what you have to ask mm, yourself. Right, right. Would it be, would it have been easier to do? I mean, not easier. <laughs> we would have. It would just be a. It would just be a pile of of rubble at the at the pace we're going with this. <laughs> but, just, uh, that's right. <laughs> slowly. Hey, or what, we would have spent a fortune. What do you think if you had to gauge a percentage? From 100% that you're ready to sell to where you started, where do you think you're at? Hmm. Got it. I'm putting the, putting it under the gun here. It's a tough call because a lot of a lot of major things have been done, like demolition and framing, to like reconfigure walls and rooms and that kind of stuff. Um, so. I don't know. We're probably somewhere in the like forty to fifty percent range. A lot of a lot of what's left now. Granted, there is still a lot, a lot to do on the first floor. Um, yep. But on the second floor, we're getting close to just cosmetics. Like if we ever get past the endless nightmare of of ceiling drywall problems, uh-huh. um, then we'll paint and put floor down and hang trim and then and doors and the second floor bedrooms and everything are, are done once the bathroom is done of course but oh. the tile that i'm doing is part of the bathroom so what you're saying is that i can have the guys start looking for an apartment for you to rent by the fall right <laughs> so, so this fall they get you the apartment to, get, to go you, you can stay in right, uh right. the the zon slash pete place that everyone seems to stay in these days that they're All right passing right. through zon's old house zon's well house. we are uh we're 71 days until gen con Woo! I love the countdown. It's making me feel good. Actually, I thought that, about that. Get that in there. I said, and it's found during one of our last shows that uh, I was listening to that I was going to buy that AEG ticket, and I never did. And I hope that it's not sold out because I just now again mm. thought about it. Man, I, it's Remember your responsibility it to remind me to get that oh, ticket. Yeah, I, I have it's to. been a couple a couple weeks I now know, since that. I know. I, I know. I got. You know, I've been lucky so far. I'm holding on to my luck, rolling the, the lucky sevens that there'll be another <laughs> ticket left. I can, I can make it happen. I was, I was looking around the other day, and I noticed that um, 
the uh, the podcast Cardboard of the Rings, the LTR LCG yeah. podcast, has an event uh, like on Friday from one to five, and in that block of time, all I have are like five minute Marvel and one other like game demo that I was doing, and I'm like, hmm. Ooh. But I looked in there; there were like one ticket left. No, I'm, like, ah, I'm not gonna go do that by myself. Just sit like, there and watch. I'm not. It, yeah. I'm not that gung ho into this game, yet, but um, <laughs> well, the the, the contrary speaking to, to speaking my, of that, my I, I, Amazon purchase purchase list. Uh, speaking of that, I just I was going through my my organization of my cards that I had for that game just mm-hmm. last week because I've been playing it. We, we've both been playing it for a little while here, and um, I, I came across. I was like, well, wait, I'm just double checking all the order of my, you know, how things are organized in this box. And there was this whole section of like 50, 60 cards, something in the back that I didn't even know what they was. And I realized it was, Oh, it was that Gen Con special exclusive one that, that I had got. And I was like, Oh, this oh, is so nice. cool to hold this, you know, special kind of thing. Granted, it's like for 20 people at one time to play, but um, hmm. it's very, it's very cool. I was like, yeah, this is a Gen Con thing. And I had saw that they have them on print, print on demand. You can get, you know, scenarios right. that are only Gen Con, exclusive ones but you had to print on demand them so it's nice to have the actual printed out cards i'm just really i really i think that's really really cool of like fantasy flight to do that kind of stuff that you have a once a year type thing and they spend art assets and time and play tests on this one event i think that's really cool that speaks to a company just liking its you know its product and its customers and the event yeah well it's you know they're they're funding it right there there's a a guy or two who are the real like creative visionaries behind it. It's kind of like Netflix, how Netflix will just pay for whatever show people want to make, except that's just, it's probably a larger sum of money up front and then it's done. But this like, you know, for whatever, seven or eight years, I mean, and obviously they must make enough money off of it to keep it going, but um, just keep, you know, providing the resources for uh the guys that make it to keep publishing it you know it, it's funny I, I sometimes i'm not so sure about that i think that the companies get so big at times that they just continue to fund things even though they're not they're at, at a loss of it i i have a feeling that blizzard does that for a lot mm. of their things that that they'll they'll continue there's no way that like diablo 2 still makes money yet they put out manpower for it you know for patches um or starcraft 2 you know, they, they, they just, but they still are, have a team at least of one or two guys that, that do something with that game. So, well, I mean, in that case, you know, that they're bringing in enough revenue from wow subscriptions still to just subsidize anything else they want to do. Yeah. That, that does. What I'm saying is that I think sometimes, <laughs> sometimes like fantasy flight. Will yeah. Do, I, I could I do that. Like, they make enough still, to break even. I don't know. I don't know how much energy they put into patches and stuff, but they, they're still, you know, running whatever network resources are needed to play something multiplayer like Diablo two can be, or more yeah. so original Starcraft. Um, I mean, I, I wonder be, like they cannot be making enough in, in battle chest sales to, to what, what, for that. what made me think of that is that I had read an article just a couple of days ago about how EverQuest is on its last leg, that it's going to be canceled soon. Mm. And it's been out for like 20 years. Something like, it's like, you're uh, talking about EQ2 or the original? No, both of them. Um, oh, so I they're, see. They're, they're, they're both coming out with like, I think it's one more expansion and it's, that's on the deck Jeez. and then they're going to cancel it. 
Um, which is, you know, I, I saw that and I was like, oh, I need to get, I need to jump in there and do it. And then of course I watched recent <laughs> videos and I'm like, no, no, I don't. Cause no, I mean, it, it, it doesn't hold up. I, I love that game. It has, it will forever have a super special place in my heart as being like the best of starting the world of MMOs and so great. Um, but it's, it's not great. You look at it now, it's, you can pick up Mario, play Super Mario Brothers and love it. And you launch into EverQuest and you don't have fun. You know, it's, mm, it's, right. it's torture. Well, yeah, it's all it's the, torture. I mean, people, people compare present day WoW to Vanilla WoW and how much more punishing uh, it was. But it, like, whatever, made, made easier a lot of the mechanics from EverQuest. Oh yeah. Right. The yeah. Stuff I mean, where, like you'd lose mm-hmm. all your stuff if you died or you'd lose XP. Um, yeah, I never yeah. played it, but I heard, it, heard horror. Yeah, stories. no, it, it, it's great. I mean, Ever, EverQuest was the thing about my little short, I'm not, I can't remember if I've said this, but my little short story about EverQuest is that well, actually it's, a, it's kind of an interesting one. I was just at a Best Buy and looking at games as I would randomly do. And, um, I saw this game called EverQuest, and it had a nice packaging of Ferona V on the cover. Um, and I was really into RPGs, and it was a PC game, and I just got kind of gotten a PC, not a great one, but mm-hmm. it's like it's an Acer or something. Um, and I had played uh, a little bit of, oh, there's a, another a Ultima Online, uh, but it was right. just a, a nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. But I played a little, little bit of that one. I think that's uh, the one that people name as like the original... Sure, sure. Yeah, well, there, there's there's muds and things like that, but yeah, and then, like never right, right, yeah. Uh, but but anyway, I I played. Uh, so I saw this this game at, at Best Buy, and I thought it was neat, and it had the whole like 3D thing, like you're actually walking around the world, and I and it really mm-hmm. had that that marketing on the back that like this felt like oh this is what the future is. This is literally like this is everything we've always wanted to have. You walk around in a 3D world, fantasy world, and you're all playing with many people. This is D and D. This is what we all want. Um, but I, I didn't think too much about it. And then I had gotten married like three months later and we, mm-hmm. we had uh, our wedding and we went off to, I think we went to Disney or something for our honeymoon. Um, right. And we had, we were opening up cards along the way. Like, you know, the cards that you, that, you know, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had literally like a grocery bag full of cards. And we ended up something <laughs> right, with like eight. Right. It, it really was. And I thought, Hey, well, I think my, my wife had, had said, um, Let's just take these and I can read it in the car along the way. Got nothing else to do. Well, as we got through, we ended up having something like $850 in cash from just mm-hmm. the cards. And like, holy cow, right. this is something we totally didn't expect. Um, so we, on the car ride down there, I said, how about this? You can buy whatever you want. We're going to take this money and we're going to buy whatever we want with it. We're not going <laughs> to even pretend that it's there, right? And you can buy whatever you want there. I just want to buy one game. And is, is, is that fine? She's like, okay, well, she ended up buying this really like nice $300 sell from one of the Disney movies and things, original ones. Um, and, and I bought EverQuest. Uh, and then history, history was made from that point on because I was stuck on MMOs sure, sure. For, forever and ever. Right. Um, but I went home and installed it and it was all the stuff that I thought it was. And it, like this, this actually lives up to the, to the, the hype of it and the marketing matches. Um, granted, it was a pain, but it was the first. It really was the first yeah. of this whole like, you know, three-dimensional, we're all in the same spot. Yeah, for, for me, and I've talked about this on the show before, that, that gateway was um, the original Guild Wars. Yeah, and, yeah, right. 
a a buddy of mine who you know we went through my my heyday peak peak period of wow together but he um while like we hung out together a lot because we you know lived in the same in the same uh campus when out of college the first job i had out of college in indianapolis and Mm -hmm. um he was a very competitive gamer like if he he was the guy you know playing league of legends or whatever you know in later years like i haven't we've lost touch but um guild wars was closer to a moba than an mmo like the peak of guild wars was all about these eight versus eight battles and the levels were capped at 20 and the health pools were all really small like there was a gimmick build people could do with the monk the healer class yeah where you intentionally wear this gear that um reduces your health and then use these spells that give you uh heal over time like not percentage based i guess it would have been flat so if your health is low enough the stuff that does damage based on the percentage of your health is whatever and you can do stuff solo because the whole idea of it is there's almost nothing you can do solo they actually yeah. had a system of, um, they called them henchmen, but they were like NPC teammates, like yeah. AI that that you could take out into the world with you. Yep. And in a lot of ways, aesthetically, it looked better than WoW, even though. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. yeah no, it did. Really, at the at the same time, because didn't they come out later, not, like after it? It might might have. I, I think like, it did. W- within a couple months, like it was out sure. before Burning Crusade. So okay. whatever that yeah, yeah. whatever that timeline sure. was, but um, it wasn't open world. Like if you left town, you were in an instance. So you could they could do the graphics a little more intense um, because the towns were then segmented into um, districts. Like if if a town if the city got to a certain player count, new people zoning into town would go into to a new instance of the town. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it just it allowed, so it, allowed you, it to have more power than having to deal with all the people on the screen at one time. Possibly. Yeah, and so if, so if you were going to group up with people, you had to be like, okay, I'm in you know North America District 13 and uh, District 13, and um, <laughs> and then and then go out and do quests. So there was no travel. You know, you'd unlock towns and then you could uh, just portal from town to town. So when I first tried WoW and rolled a hunter, I was like, man, this is crazy. Like I can get leather from the animals that i kill and use that to make uh make new armor and i can use the meat to feed my pet and i've got to you know travel between towns in real time like we weren't throwing the word immersive around back then but that's really what it was (laughs) like it it, yeah it it really was yeah it didn't take me too long to become uh you know disenchanted with all that stuff and realize that like well no unless you really really grind for it the the gear that you can make is not as good as the stuff that just drops like you don't really have right, to do that right. and, but but and the, the concept stuff, was the concept drew it to you there right was so much more yeah was so much more because in um in guild wars it was 3d but in the same way that like the original wolfenstein was 3d yep if that makes any sense like the original wolfenstein is a 2d game like completely and this was like that too like you i don't think you were ever like on top of anything else and you couldn't jump 
Like there was just there was just never any jumping. And so that was the other thing <laughs> that like a bunch of us from Guild Wars went to WoW and like, you know, the thing where you're standing around for a raid or whatever and people just jumping, especially the night elves. Yep. Like we were doing we're like, oh man, we can jump now. It's awesome. And it, <laughs> whatever. It's jumping, but Right. Heaven but, forbid, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, it, it, you know, I, I really thought that, that Guild Wars Guild Wars was the uh, the, the the tier two game is what I always viewed it. Being a WoW person at the time is that like, oh yeah, but we have WoW, and it was well, like oh, not, not tier two. It was, so it was the alternate more, game. It was the yeah, alternate. It was game. so much more PvP focused than um, than WoW right. in the early days. Now, and there were people who got really into the PvP aspect of WoW. I never did, but there's so much more PvE in WoW than there ever was in the original Guild Wars. Sure. <clears throat> And it was it was definitely the alternative. That was the that's the word I was looking for. There, it was, mm-hmm. it was definitely the alternative game, and um, the and, and that wasn't bad. And the the biggest thing, obviously, with that one was that you bought the game once, and then you didn't have to keep paying a monthly subscription. Right? That was, yeah, that was right. That, that, was, that was one of the thing. one of the original hooks for me. Um, I remember right. trying somewhere around that time is when Lord of the Rings Online came out, and right. I got in the I got in the alpha or beta test for that, and. Was okay, was okay, but it was too. so yeah. it was so buggy in the early days, and right. um, I, I yeah. did like that game. I, you know, I, I know we're kind of going talking this MMO thing kind of impromptu, but I kind of enjoy it. The, the the I mean, the old school ones, the, the Lord of the Rings one. I thought, forgot about that one. I I played that one. I was married at the time, so I played it with my wife, and then we played it with like two other friends. And we re- that was when Lord of the Rings was really big, and the movies were coming out. Um, and it was it was fun. It was the difference. The problem with that one was magic because you're playing a fine line there with magic and you know the uh tolkien world and it being a yeah thing and you can't really have an mmo or magic or fantasy it's, system without magic it's hard and i played a runecaster it's hard in a in a um in a very clearly well-defined world like that to to make a game yeah. Right. Especially in RPG, because you're like, you know, it's like um, Shadows of War and Shadows of Mortar. Like they're fun games, but they're really playing fast and loose with the with the the lore of the world. Which actually, I think, makes them even they make them fun. I, the fact that like yeah, we've done all the Tolkien stuff, we get to read the book. That's they're great. Fun, but if you if you are really obsessed, which I'm not necessarily one of those people, but. Um, in an RPG that's supposed to be more immersive and you're interacting with other people, you're like, yeah, no, the hobbits don't do magic. Like they, and almost yeah. nobody does magic. In fact. Uh, right. And, and, and magic is very subtle. It's not a thing really, you know? Right. Right. Uh, but, and even at that, you're like, well, enchanted swords aren't the same way they, you know, <laughs> anyway, it, the, the MMO was really well done and it did play fast and loose with some of those rules. And I'm glad that it did. And as it went further on, it became more and more fast and loose. Um, but I, I played, I played it before it was free to play and it was right. worth paying the monthly subscription for, but then they went to the free to play model and I hit that paywall finally after expansions whatever that was um, before like in the in the guild wars days a game being i mean it wasn't free to play it was it was box whatever yeah. by the box model right um right but a lot of a lot of games 
Like, that's sort of the progression we went through. Like, I remember when that went free-to-play. I remember when Star Trek Online went free-to-play. And you're like, yep. oh, it's free-to-play. Maybe I'll consider it again. And this was before, you know, the explosion of mobile games. Not even yes. not even explosion, because it's been a slow burn since the since the Farmville days. Yeah. To, to get to this point where almost any game that you get on mobile is just a money funnel. Like... You can barely even yeah. call it a game, right? Um, what um, have you have you picked up any picked up any mobile games recently? Well, I I, I did start. I, you had actually recommended uh, several weeks ago. Uh, I can't believe I'm admitting this on on the air, but um, <laughs> if we can call it the air. But you had, you had mentioned. Well, I'm blame you. That's what I can do. I can blame you right now. Well, yeah, you had mentioned yeah, a game right. called Cooking Fever um, that oh, I started playing. Right. And, that was like uh, within a week after I was in Bloomington and we played uh, Overcooked. I don't know if yeah, you were there. Yeah, okay, sure. I, no, but well, I started with the whole Overcooked thing when we were all – that's how we all started playing. Five of us guys playing five in a four-player game, if that makes sense. Um, drinking too much, playing Overcooked, and having a really terrible, amazing, wonderful time with it. Um, but we played Overcooked, and so I got it, and you came back with this thing. I thought, oh, I'll give, I'll give it a try. And – it just sunk in with me. I think it's uh, it's such a mindless game that you can play and just do and not think too much about. And then it hits a point where you really you really have to think, like not like oh I had a strategy plan out stuff. You have to be in the zone and be just mm-hmm. like playing a first person shooter where you're you know mm-hmm. acting on instinct with everything that comes up. And oh, I don't know how I. It's not a great game. Don't listeners, you don't have to go get this one. It's not one that I would that I would recommend. It, it's nothing big, but but it's fun and it, and it passed my time and I've been playing that one. But it hits a hard paywall. I mean, yeah. you can play for free, and it hits a hard paywall um, where you can't really progress any further at all without paying them some money. Sure, sure. Uh, I do. Do you I've do that often playing... with games? Do you like like play game? Pay, you know, play it where it's free, and then you're like, okay, I'm going to pay money, or do you like nah, I... usually not. I haven't in a mobile game in a long time because the mobile games are just so, uh, like, insidious with... Uh, they really with their, feel that way, their, don't they? With their paywall. The most recent games I've gotten, um, well, I got that one, and I, I gave up on it before you did, I think. Um, I'm I got still the Yahtzee, playing it, damn it. I got the Yahtzee game, which is a little bit reminiscent of, um, like, a Words with Friends you got to like hook it into your Facebook or whatever. Just play against random people. It's Yahtzee, so it's really just an RNG fest. But it's kind of mindless. <laughs> they're they're pushing their way that they do the money funnel is you get this currency that gives you a reroll, right? If you use all okay. three, like you can burn one of the their dice instead of gems. But oh, to get a reroll, pay to win to me, pay to win. It, it kind of is, but I've. You know, I'm, I've, you know, been in it enough to just enough to still have that initial, like, new game, uh, cash of, um, a stash of of that currency. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like yeah, you get yeah, a lot yeah. of stuff yeah. in the early days, uh-huh, uh, and uh-huh. so I'm, I'm not I'm not going to give that any money. It's also got ads. I'm like, no, forget that. Oh, um, ads kill me. Ads ads I, are a deal breaker a lot of times for me. I downloaded a game that's it's literally just called Puzzle Game. I went into the <laughs> App Store. Way to go with lo- creativity on a name. Right. 
amazing, amazing name. But um, I was like, what games are on here that are both free and have no in-app purchases? And well, usually, what? Okay, what that, yeah. usually what that means is they're using, they're like hooked into some other payment processor or something. So they're not using Apple's. Yeah. I don't hey, quite know hey. how they do that. But um, this game is literally just... Uh, so imagine you've got a grid, like a like an empty field, a square field. Okay. Okay. And you've got Tetris pieces, but they don't fall. You just drop them where you want them, and you can't spin them. And okay. then you get you get three at a time, and you clear rows in both directions when you fill okay. you know a concert row, just like Tetris. Um, sure. Okay. And you lose if you get to a point where you can't fit a, a, place, place a piece a in place a block. Yeah. Um, right. So it's really random. Like if you get a crappy, you know, if you get one of the huge like three by three blocks and there's not room for it, then you lose. But it's a nice kind of kind of sure. mindless uh, thing. I've been on. I've been on the pursuit for a while because my. Um, my family and I will watch TV most evenings unless I'm recording a podcast or something. Um, yep. And sometimes I can I can stay with a show. I think I've said this before on the show. Like sometimes I want something to do that's going to occupy me just enough that I can keep paying attention to the show. The risk that, <laughs> that is that like, right, like yeah. you pull out your phone and you start playing a game. And yep. now I'm th- I'm thinking about the game, like I've missed what's going on in the show. Yep, yep, um, yep. And, and That's some shows cooking, have to be watched. The cooking game did that to me. Yeah, yeah, it's a little too it's a little too intense. I've I've reinstalled um, the old uh, Marvel Color Your Own app. Do you remember that? Oh, that that's a good one. That's a good one to do for that. Yeah, I think you can just take you, your time. Look, uh, you and I, you and I got into that about a year ago. Um, right, maybe a that's couple a good of app. other friends. Wait, did you ever subscribe to that thing? I did. I think I think you had had done it and, and told me about it, and it was mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't remember. Um, I actually, yeah, yeah. It's funny you say that because I got the email today, the Apple from the iTunes store saying, "Hey, you've got a, a subscription renewal that comes up on June 5th. and I'm like, "Oh, I did pay for this. It's like forty dollars, <laughs> forty dollars for the year, and it gives you yeah, right. all their pages." And all the brushes and fills and stuff. And, like, I reinstalled the app, and I was like, I still have all this stuff? I thought this was, like, on a monthly subscription or something. I hope I haven't been paying for it all this time, which oh, right, I technically right. have, but I paid for a whole year. So, um, well, You know, I, I just said that that user listeners shouldn't uh, go get that cooking game. Well, not that it, it's not recommended, but I would recommend mm-hmm. people, if you have a moderate interest in in and coloring stuff like coloring books or whatever. Um, that's a fun one. It's got star Wars stuff in it. It's got, you know, all sorts of Marvel things in it and it's not hard. It's pretty intuitive. You can go from like a very basic, fun, simple color in Han Solo, star Wars type thing to a like, Oh, I can not Photoshop quality, but I can really make some nice shading and some colors and some textures. Yeah, it this does. Thing. It does. Some really want it, it does some, there's some kind of automatic texture fills and then you can do, you can do various like linear or radial gradients, especially it's probably a, a, a better experience if you have like an iPad pro or something with the, with the Apple sure. pen. Um, sure, I just sure. have, I have an iPad mini and I got a, 
like $25 capacitive stylus off uh, Amazon. And that, that gets the job done for me. Like I'm not, uh, not, you know, I couldn't draw in real life, but somewhere between right. just filling in the, the colors where they go and doing some gradient work, depending on my mood. Um, but the nice yep. thing about that is it's not, it it's not really cognitive at all. So I can still yep. be following along with whatever we're watching. We just started absolutely re- right. rewatching, um, Chuck. Did you ever see that show? I have not. It's one that I missed. Mm. I missed Chuck, but, but it, you liked it. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember what else I was watching at the time, but um, it's one that when my uh, my sister and brother-in-law were the first in our family to watch it, and when they told me about it and described the premise, I was like, that sounds stupid. Like, wait, wait. Go, go ahead and for our listeners, what, what is the premise of Chuck? Okay, so you've got a guy, a, a n- normal dorky nerd guy, except it's like 2007, so we're not quite in the in the peak of that of that age of geek culture that we we are in now, or maybe a couple years ago. Um, So, so let me guess the, the, the dorky nerd guy is actually like a fit kind of guy really, but wearing glasses. Oh yeah. It's, it's Zachary Levi. (laughs) He's like, he's like six, three, six, four. Um, Right. Not really a nerd, but playing a nerd on TV. No. Yeah. And for comparison, there are like three other guys that work with him who are all like typical, you know, like not not quite Big Bang Theory level uh, nerd nerd looking guys, mm-hmm. but anyway, right. um, he works in what is basically the Geek Squad from Best Buy, except mm-hmm, right. it's it's all rebranded. The store is called Buy More, and um, <laughs> okay, and and the Geek Squad is called the Nerd Herd. Oh, totally. Right. Rip off. You know, all right. Cause, all right. Cause we got it. Cause it's, cause it's the thing. <laughs> we see what you're doing here. We get the, it. <laughs> the store right next to them, which is basically a Sam's club or Costco is called large Mart. It's exactly. that kind of, that kind of TV <laughs> thing that they do. Um, but anyway, right. he, um, in the, in the pilot of the show, he gets an email from his old college buddy who betrayed him and got him kicked out of college. He gets an email that shows a bunch of random images on his computer and downloads a database of government secrets into his brain. And the, the plot, okay. the, the into the his plot, brain is what you said. <laughs> yeah. Into his brain. The plot exp- explanation behind that is that like in the wake of the Patriot act or something, the various U S government intelligence agencies are trying to um, form this, collective database of information between the CIA and the NSA and the FBI, okay. though the, that's not really so much uh, a part of it. But And now he has the ability, when he sees certain things, they trigger a, a memory flash in his, in his brain that, okay. that like reveals that information into his conscious brain like he doesn't Uh, know stuff all the time it's like in his subconscious this makes for a very good episodic show i can already tell right exactly every every week he he sees something new and whatever they're discovering and then Right. right so so in the wake of that he meets um two government agents uh one is 
um, Adam Baldwin, Jane, who is Jane. who is an NSA agent slash hitman, you know, very typical conservative gun. You know, he's got a he's got a picture of Ronald Reagan on his desk. Um, <laughs> he, he, right. It, half of his dialogue is grunts and growls. Um, okay. All right. And a, a CIA agent uh, played by Yvonne Strahovski, who is a tall, beautiful blonde. Yeah. Right. And right. Got to have got to like, have the the beautiful blonde as opposed uh, play opposite of the nerd. Right. Right. And so so they start to like flirt and hit it off before any of this stuff about um, the government database gets revealed. And then after that happens, they the two government agents though they they start out kind of um at odds with each other um they are going to stay close to him to monitor and protect him because he's got all these government secrets in his head and so the girl has to um have their cover story be that they're boyfriend and girlfriend except uh, okay except that, i see this whole show is being right, set up right you, you, <laughs> you see you see where i'm going with this like he obviously really likes her and she likes him, but neither of them know. Like in the beginning, she knows more than he does, right? Like he's more insecure because he's the nerdy guy, uh, or whatever. But they're in this, man, this man, cover I, relationship. I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I <laughs> like this show or I hate this show at this point. Like already, like it's one of those ones that like, oh man, I could totally get hooked on one of these kind of shows and just watch the whole series and love it. Another like, oh, I hate these premises things. There, there are a lot of moments in it that are very funny. Um, it did get to a point where, between the writing and where I was in my life at that time, I had a pretty serious relationship in in like '09. That mm-hmm. at, in the wake of that, the way they took the story with the show, I was like, I can't, I can't handle that. It's kind of like. Um, <laughs> it's some too of the, close to reality. So, well, not not that, but like some of the stuff they do with Jim and Pam in later seasons of The Office. I'm like, I can't. I was with it with the will they won't they, and now that they're together, like they're not as charming <laughs> ruins and sweet anymore. I'm like, right. I'm I'm sick of you guys, whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's uh, <laughs> ruined it. So, it, so I can't it, remember how we got on this Chuck thing. So so Chuck Chuck was good. We like Chuck. Oh, sorry. That's my. We've been. We just started rewatching that because it's on Amazon Prime. Okay. Now, okay. Video. Oh, okay. All right and, right. and so that's why I reinstalled the Marvel coloring app. That's what I've been doing on mobile. <laughs> wow, we got out of there for the Marvel. Yeah, we, 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 we leaped over the, there from the Chuck to Marvel. We got in the weeds there a little bit. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. So I wanted Marvel, to say, good. Thumbs up. A thing I wanted to say going back to uh, the game you were talking about, Cooking Fever. I opened that up yeah. um, a couple nights ago because I, I started out on my phone and then I installed on the ipad i'm like i need more space to move my fingers because i've got the iphone se it's really small and um i opened it up and i'm like i i beat whatever the level was but it was my first two star i'm like i'm getting to the difficulty curve here and (laughs) i was like this is this has a curve it's like is it a learning curve or is it a pay funnel and from what you're saying it is it is a pay funnel, but the the idea um, of learning curve difficulty curves is interesting to me um, because I've been playing so much of this um, Lord of the Rings LCG. We can't can't go a whole oh, week man, without no. talking about this game again. But 
Um, that that's got a weird curve all the time, like it, through every, it does, every and it, cycle. You know, you've yeah. got the you've got the elements of you know what we call RNG in the video game world, the randomness that the yep. normal people would say. Where you know, if I go through a whole scenario and I never draw one of the, you know, just there are only two really difficult cards that happened with um, the <coughs> hill quest giants. in the core set with the with the hill hill troll. Where yep, like yep. if you don't draw the hill troll, or if you draw him in a in a shadow as a shadow card, um, then then it becomes a lot easier, you know. So it's just the kind of like yeah. luck of the draw a little bit, not really. Um, and I've been playing the quests in the Kazat Dune expansion, the dwarf expansion, and there are a lot of those because you're going through the mines of Moria. There are cards yeah. in that encounter that are like. Um, if you're in combat and you pull them as shadow effects, they're like discard the defender. It's like a cave in or oh, something like right. a wall collapsed, which kills like, your hero right off the bat. I'm like, right? okay, so if I wasn't defending with a hero or if you're, or if you're questing, there's one that's like discard one of the characters committed to the quest. Yeah. And so I got on, I got online on the board game geek forums. And one dude was like, he's like, I don't like these, you know, quote, delete a, a character from the game cards. They're 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 not a challenge. They're just you they're know completely FU. random. Yeah, and, completely random. And I didn't I didn't read all of the forum posts, but one of the guys responded to him, and he was like he was like, well, for this for this particular example, yes and no. Like yes, if you draw it, it makes you discard one of your heroes, one of your cards, one of your characters that you're questing with, what that means is you shouldn't... You're running a risk if you commit only heroes to a quest. And it's the risk-reward. Yeah. So you you have to kind of adjust and anticipate for that. And I, and I was thinking about that because I... I have a hard time, and this goes back to the days of WoW, like trying trying to solo some quest and, you know, there used to be places in the open world where you could get killed. It's not really yeah. the case anymore, but back in the days right. of, of Vanilla and Burning Crusade, there were elite mobs in the world that could kill you. Um, right. And I'm like, you know, some some random person helped me, and I'm like, I'm like, sweet, thanks. This is really frustrating with all these pirates on these ships. And he was like, he's like, <laughs> well, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a challenge you overcome and get better. Am I right? And I was like, man, this guy, know, this guy is a by the way, dick. I'm, I, I know exactly where you're at. I'm like, <laughs> uh, I'm like, I'm like, don't, don't take something that I'm struggling with and make me feel bad for being a bad player because of the, the, the learning curve. Like, you know, don't be that right. guy. Don't. And but I, I, I want to hate this game because it's not my fault. <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm not bad. And so the where where I where I thought of that in the context of this cooking fever game is I'm like part of it is it's a it's a money funnel but even if it wasn't a money funnel eventually the difficulty will come down to um like dexterity it will come down to to speed like motion kind of skill where yeah with like with- this um this card game lord of the rings card game is is completely turn based like the learning the strategy is about 
like decision making and risk management and it's not timed and so i can through experience through focus through you know whatever um get better at it in a way that like i'm i'm never going to have the reflexes to be able to win a game of fortnite for example sure. which is cool but this one you can learn and get yeah in, well, in the, the, that's that's something I've said about this game, this this Lord of the Rings game, since every week we've talked about it, is that um, <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't I didn't see this until we just started talking about this this year with this this podcast is that the game is really heavily a uh, change your deck. It's a deck building game, not deck building like in the tra- traditional sense, but sense, but like it's, you know, here's a scenario, build a deck to be the scenario. Lose at it two or three times and realize, oh, I need to quest. Oh, I need to put more character allies in my deck that are questing instead of relying on my, you know, Aowen to do it all. Yeah, you know, it's more it's, about... It's just, you, you got to figure it out. It's more about building a deck than playing a deck. Yeah, right. And and once you figure out the, the way you can build the deck to make to beat that scenario, that's how it works. And, you know, I, I never thought about that way, but it actually makes the game a lot more fun... And I actually really appreciate it. Does I, I mean it takes up more time because I have to make a different deck, and it's a little frustrating sure. in that that way. But I really got to appreciate that because they're giving me all these cards in the core box that I buy or the expans expansions, the big box stuff, and I don't have to just not use them all. They want me to use them all. They want me to use this is mm. a strategy that we build into the deck and here's some cards that we give you for that strategy and here's some different cards for a different strategy and they don't want us to just build one perfect deck. They want us to build different decks for different scenarios and man, I mean I'm a big fan of Fantasy Flight always have been forever and and this is another one of those kudos to them for making a different game and a different kind of strategy that you want to do mm-hmm. and and I'm not good at it yet. And I'm really <laughs> tempted half the time to go online and say, what did you beat this deck with? You know, the scenario right. with and, and build that. Right. But I like it. I like it. And it does still, it's been years later since I've been playing this. It, it, it's a game that I paid money for. And because of stuff like that, I, uh, I still play it. You know, I, I still pull it out and say, okay, let's try to beat this scenario. Cause I lost 54 times. Speak. You know, you know, <laughs> But right, but um yeah no 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 I, I I do like the deck building part of the of, of this game and and it's got it's the difficulty a lot of times is just figuring that out um now some scenarios obviously are just I think stupidly impossible and RNG based but um it is what it is yeah so well, that, that's, that's what that's this week's uh you know up, Lord of the update, Rings game update on <laughs> on LOCR LOTR LCG. All right, let's. You know, yeah, I got. I got to say, you, you've been, you've been, you've had it for a while, and I mean, it's a fun game. I'm glad that I, I, I'm really glad that, that you got it because I, I've said week after week, it's hard to explain this game or LCGs until you buy them, and I think the Lord of the Rings game is the first true LCG living card game that I've ever bought, and it really sold me on them. It really did. That I have all well, the cards and all the tools. I feel that I have the tools in my chest, and I don't have to go out and constantly buy random booster packs every week. Sure, right. You know? And uh, apparently, in in looking around for, you know, the gigantic collection of cards that I don't have, um, there was another actual collectible card game based on Lord of the Rings that 
was not as popular based on their their eBay prices. But yeah, it's oh, it's I, difficult to I explain. Have all of them. Like I have I've, all those. <laughs> when I've looked at um, you know people compare when before I bought this game and we talked about these games that you were like, well, there's this game, this game, this game that are living card games. This is the either the only one or the main one that is PVE like this. Um, the other it big, is. It the is, other yeah. big popular ones are Netrunner and the the Star Wars one. And maybe also right. Doomtown, a game that I bought and have never played. Is it, isn't start... there isn't there a Game of Thrones one? I think there's a Game yeah, of Thrones and the Game one of Thrones too. one. But all of those are PvP. So if I had bought any of those, they would still be in the box. Like I might have bought yes. sleeves because I like buying and sleeving cards. <laughs> your thing. For some reason it's <laughs> it's cathartic. It's a nice <laughs> thing to do when I'm waiting for Heroes of Storm games <laughs> to queue or if I die and I'm waiting to respawn. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm gonna pop some more right. cards in the sleeves. But right. yeah, I know our uh But, but our, yeah this one gets played Fox because it's so, you can play solo. Our buddy Fox told us that he is looking forward to checking out this game after after hearing us talk about it. Because yeah, because it's solo, I've been able to play it a lot of times and it's it's more um I don't want to say that it's more fun than I thought it would be, but I was very hesitant about it when I bought it. I was like, eh, you know, I might hate it. But, uh, you know, now I'm to the point where I have a lot of games in my collection that I'll probably never play. And I'm like, I wonder yeah. if anybody on Board Game Geek wants those and has some of these Lord of the Rings expansions I don't have. I'm going to make it trade. <laughs> to trade it off with. Yeah. Make it trade. You know, I will, I will say that, that if I if I had a, a buddy, like a dedicated buddy in town that was like, you know, wanted to play these kind of card games, I, I would I would definitely pick living card games over anything. Um, you know, someone who would like, let's, let's play Magic together all the time or let's play whatever it might be. Uh, I would I would say, hey, let's get into living card games. You know, the two of us always come every week and play X. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the as much of as much of a money hole as this game could be at this point with as many expansions that are out and a lot of them are out of print. So they're like, you know, maybe they were twelve dollars new, but or you know, when they're when they were new, but now they're like twenty five dollars because they're out of print. It's still mm-hmm. to, right. it's still to me preferable to buying booster packs. Like, yeah, I could pay twenty five dollars for absolutely. five booster packs and might get a bunch of garbage that I don't want. You know, six more, right. six more copies of Gandalf's Search. <laughs> exactly, you, you get two cards that you might want. Right, right. No, the the uh, and, and, you know, and also in these for experience with these living card games. Now that you have it, um, I was fortunate enough to get into this game back when it was semi new. It might have been even new. They just had a few things that were out, mm-hmm. and um, it, it was nice to be able to play the scenarios or have all the cards, and then feel like you can have the time to play the scenarios and then wait for two months until the next one comes out and like, Oh, one gets released and, and I got to go out there and spend 12 bucks and, and buy just, just a limited amount just for just a scenario and maybe one player card, um, which was, which was really fun to play along with, you know, sure, every two sure. or three months, then you have the time to, to play through the scenario and all the other ones and catch up. And then you get the big box come back right. because of dune comes out and you're like whoa you know this is a whole different thing it's it was really fun thing. And, and, then, and i don't and know if they the, do that anymore but the adventure cycle comes after that it's a whole right but, but obviously you're getting into it when it's like you know seven eight years old yeah there's a, a there's a backlog through. of stuff i don't have well anyway but, but the, the interesting part about that is that you don't have to you don't have to. I know we all think that like, oh, I have to get this or I want to get these cards or I want to get Numenor. Or, I want to get. But yeah, you don't no. Have I mean, to. you could the, buy just 
just by the core. The, you know, the, the only thing that presents a challenge for me is that I bought it used, so I have somebody else's like decision making process, and I don't know. Like most of it is okay. Like he has one, he had one because I have him now, but he had one adventure from the the cycle that comes right after the core, like the first cycle, yeah. which yeah, our, our listeners don't really understand, but. They do a big expansion, and then they do a cycle of adventures, which is like six adventures that require the cards from that expansion. So the first cycle only required the core, yep. and they all require the core. Um, the second cycle, Dwero Delph, comes after Kazadun. So I have Kazadun and the entire Dwero Delph cycle. So I have everything to play all nine of those adventures, which is nice. Right. Um, but I have the second hobbit saga expansion which i think i need the first one to play so i don't know if like maybe he got it as a gift from somebody who didn't know or something but i'm like okay well i guess that one's first on my list to like you know maybe somebody will buy it for me (laughs) by the by the the rest of it yeah the the rest of it but i have plenty i I like i have plenty to play for a while before before i get to that and i'll be on i'll be uh, have my eyes out at Gen Con to uh, to supplement that collection. But anyway, well, well, we, well you mentioned you mentioned our, our buddy Fox, and and yeah, he had just our guys on on our one of our favorite, if not our very favorite podcast, is a Geek Scholar Movie News. Yep, has recently been talking about the Han Solo movie, mm. and Fox had, had mentioned, kind of shouted out to us that to see if we had considered going to see the the han solo movie oh yeah first he off was, like he was on, running on down day. there you know which of them are gonna go opening night to see that movie i know i don't know if any of them are i think they decided that none yeah, of them are which yeah, is really a surprise i thought I that you know I like don't, i don't think any of them are they i mean fox does weird things i want to mention gets, that I, I like that right he gets special i like that jill was was putting them all to the screws on him so not gonna <laughs> about that stuff <laughs> yeah well i i talked about this with my family because i'm you know, I, I'm here uh, staying with my parents. As I mentioned, my house is all gutted. So I'm staying here with yep. my parents and my youngest sister. And we were going somewhere last night and uh, we're like, oh, we're going to be uh, down in Tennessee with my sister and brother-in-law and David and his family are coming up from Florida Um for Memorial Weekend, we're all going to be there. We're recording a week before Memorial Weekend, if you can do that math. This episode will come out on Memorial Day, so whatever. Um, right. And I was like, oh, we should, you know, go find time to see that solo movie. And the the reasoning I, I give to my family all the time is I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I got to – they're like, he has to watch this movie for his podcast. And I'm like, well, I don't have to. Like, we could, watch it. We could not <laughs> talk about it the week after it comes out. But um, we're like, you know, oh, you know. Yeah, but, but that, that's I'm a not, good question. I'm not sure which, about which this. One's... And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like I don't know. I th- it's probably going to be bad. And mom was like, I mean, there why are, are you going to go shows... see it then? And I'm like, well, it's um, and my sister was the same thing. She's like, well, it's Star Wars. It's like, well, yeah, it's the new. It's like Fox said about it's the new uh, hotness. Star Trek Discovery. He's like, is anybody watching this? And I'm like, yeah, I am because it's Star Wars. I mean, it's Star Trek. It's, 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 it's oh, it's a new oh, thing. You just called it. <laughs> it's this, and it's the same. Got you calling Star Wars Star Trek Star Wars. It's the same. I, it's the same thing with Star Wars. Like I think if 
I mean, I think if we weren't doing the podcast, then I would probably wait longer. Like, I watch more movies when they're new now because we are going to talk about them on the show. Um, I never used to be, uh, you know, a a opening weekend viewer. Um, But and and I and I always have been. I you know I've always been one of those guys that like if if we can if it's big it's part of the experience of standing outside and watching it and Mm -hmm. and I have story wonderful stories of watching you know many different. If you go back in our back in our catalog of shows, you can. You can hear all of our all of our stories. I think the the episode we had one of the episodes we had Fox on. We talked about going to the premiere of you going to the premiere of one of the Star Wars prequels. I think it was episode three or something. Right, right. Well, the, the, this one, you know, it, speaking of that, the fact that it's specifically Star Wars, and this is Solo. Uh, I want to kind of touch and expand a little bit on what what those guys talked about a little bit but not not a lot and get your opinion on it so this okay. is he, he mentioned star wars fatigue um mm. that, that there's so many coming out all the time and and, and you know it's funny because it's only once a year it's 12 months that you're not watching a show um but but in, well, in the cycle a, life cycle we're of less stuff, than a year right because they're they're releasing solo so early like there was a year oh, roughly right, right there was a year roughly between last jet or um force awakens rogue one last jedi all were like Around right. the holiday season, the winter holiday season, for those three years in a row, 15, 16, 17. Right, but in, I didn't think about that because this is in May when they're... This they're, is in May. Like, We're like... In December is when they had episodes eight. The, right. Yeah, the, the the engine on Last Jedi is still warm. I lost yeah. track of that. I lost track of that metaphor. And, and they, won't have an, they won't have another one out until probably December of 2020. Um or 19, right, right, yeah, 19. 19, probably. Right, we're, we're 2018 now. Uh, but the, you're right, and maybe that's maybe that's contributing factor to the fatigue, and that this is already one of those movies sure. that you feel like it does. And it, it makes you feel like it's already one of the ones that, like, oh, we really, really, really love Han Solo. We love Harrison Ford. Is this something that we need? Um, I, I want to say that, to point out something that Fox had said about uh, critics talking about, do we need a movie? Uh, I, I really, really, really dislike that, 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 phrase and, and even him listening to him Concept. say it on the show about about like do, do we need to have that thing that is stuck in me the wrong way because i mean we can have uh seven thousand teletubby movies and i'm fine with that <laughs> because if you're a teletubby fan fine watch it you know we have a million pokemon movies that i can't follow at all or care to but it's fine for the pokemon fans yeah. let, let them have that I'm, I, I don't think a movie uh, should I, not be made i have an anecdote for that one of the top yeah. 10 grossing films of all time, not adjusted for inflation, obviously. One of the top 10 films grossing of all time, Furious 7. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And and you can look at that and say, what the heck? Why did it make so much money? I've, because I've the people maybe, watch it love it. I saw the first one. I maybe saw the second one. And right. But there are enough people. As long as those can keep being made, as long as there are 12 transformers michael bay travesties out there <laughs> we can still be making more star wars films right right yeah i, I agree I, I think that it's fine it's totally fine as long as there is a, an audience for it even if it's like direct to, to you know digital uh movie that it makes just enough to break even actually my opinion on stuff is if a movie can break even i think it's a success I think that if it's a, a labor of passion, if you make a Voltron movie 
and people are watching Voltron, love Voltron. You loved making it. You loved spending the time. Everyone got paid for making the movie and you broke even. I mean, then you're good. Now, I understand movie studios need to make a profit, but even in that kind of thing is that like, well, as long as it didn't affect other things, you made a dollar profit. It's worthwhile doing. Yeah. Um, that's that's my own personal opinion. So so <laughs> with the Star Wars stuff, yeah, absolutely, because there's so many people that, that make it. It's gonna make it's gonna make a, a good amount of money no matter what. Um, the the downside to that is when you talk about it, um, when you say fatigue and it risks the franchise, um, mm. that it, it you know it dilutes it. It doesn't make it feel like oh I don't care about watching this anymore. I talked about that with the Last Jedi. Let's bash on that for a second because we love doing that. Right. Um, if the franchise is, is that, you know, it, it didn't make Phantom me feel Menace. like I wanted to watch it anymore. <laughs> right. It can it can survive anything. Well, uh, the solo thing. I'll watch it opening night. But Thursday, and this is a big but. Yeah, I'm going to watch it Thursday. And, and it's really the only lie. reason I'm watching it Thursday. I cannot lie. The only reason that I'm watching it, that is because of a timing thing with my daughter that she's going right. to go to her mom's for the right. Memorial Day weekend. Um, but honestly, I'd, I wouldn't watch equal, it on opening night. I'd watch it Saturday, Sunday. It Thursday, yeah. And I'm going to be in the same I'm going to be in the same boat just because it's Memorial weekend. Like if I was not traveling that weekend and my local beer theater, the Brokaw, was showing it on Thursday, which is rare. They did for Infinity War, but they normally open new movies on Friday. Um, I might go right. Friday just because whatever it's Friday, but because I'm traveling and I'm going to be driving probably Friday afternoon and I'd rather see it with uh, my brother and brother-in-law and dad and sister, probably most of us will go um, including my two, three, maybe all three of my nieces um, would go, would go with us. I mean, you know, if longtime listeners of the show will know that I, at least in this sphere of entertainment, am all about moderated expectations. Um, the, when I saw the <laughs> first, when I saw the first trailer for Solo, I was like, "Man, this looks amazing!" And part of that was just because I was so disappointed with Last Jedi that I was like, "Oh, this is going to be a fun <laughs> one." Like Rogue One was a fun one, you know, fun, fun in the right. way that all the characters die at the end. Sorry, spoilers. <laughs> That's right. It, you know, it's a stories told in between. Like, it, there's nothing to, to spoil there except the details. But um, for this movie, I, you know, I'm a fan of Amelia Clark, Game of Thrones, and so yeah, big, I'm big heart for her. You right. know, I saw um, that terrible Terminator movie that she did, <laughs> and so I'm expecting her character to be charming feisty whatever you know screw you people who say that the star wars franchise has too many feisty brunettes yeah i said it (laughs) you said it right (laughs) um so i don't care that's that's the extent of my expectation for this like um um shoot what's his name charles gambino um troy oh uh, uh troy yeah uh uh Shoot, um, Cloud City, Glover. Lando Calrissian, Donald Glover from Lando Calrissian, right? Um, you that. know, I, I'm expecting him to be entertaining in in the part of in the role of Lando, and that's that's it. Like, 
super low expectations for this movie. So I'm, you know, hope which will probably be great then, right? Yeah, It'll probably yeah. make it great. Hopefully, I'll be pleasantly surprised. Right. right. Well, to to speak a little bit back on that Star Wars fatigue, something that I wanted to mention is that part of the thing that adds to the fatigue is the is the the marketing cycle. Mm. Um, we, we, we're not just like watching a movie every year. We're now we're watching a movie and all of its trailers in March and, and it's, it's played all over and over again until July where a second one comes out and there's a teaser back in January and then there's posters and then there's all of a sudden we get closer and there's more and more. So it's a whole year of marketing blitz of star Wars and that's, I'm sure very successful what they do. But that's that's the thing that adds up to the fatigue is that we're constantly inundated with these yeah, Star Wars always with. in our face. And and I think also there's a there's a question of tone. Like I think you can cram in more like what's the next Marvel movie coming out? This is uh whatever. We we're, Ant Man we're, we're, Ant Man and the Wasp. We're a couple weeks from Infinity War, but I won't give any details. Um that movie was it's Ant Man. That movie was heavy and serious. Infinity War. Yeah. The next right. one is Ant Man right. and the Wasp. Paul Rudd. It is probably going to be funny. I don't. Yes. I don't. I don't think right. I'm. Um, oh right. I don't think I'm making any risky calls by by making that prediction. I know where you're going here. Sure. Like, right. And so, I think you can piggyback just like they did, um, Force Awakens. And then Rogue One. Not that Rogue One was funny, but it was just different. Like it's different enough sure. that you can you can fit more in the same. And this movie solo also I expect to be more lighthearted than the preachy ridiculousness of Last Jedi. Yeah, I mean, we hope. We hope. I, I mean, there was the whole thing about them right. uh, yeah. fire, firing the the more comedic directors and making the, a more the, Star Wars movie. The production story is is fraught with uh, difficult peril. Or yeah. so. well, well, you know what? I, I that's a really good point that you had made about like Ant Man is in the Wasp is that these Marvel movies? Why uh, there's some people who will claim that there is superhero fatigue. To them, I point to this massively successful Avengers movie coming out and <laughs> right before it, the, this huge record setting Black Panther and say, you know what? Screw you. There's no fatigue. It's just you. It's, you just um, want to be crabby. And, and the well, reason I say that is yeah, because it's the it's well, the, it's the critic. It's, it's problem. what you said. What you listened to that. Yeah. Uh, that most recent episode of Geek Scholars Movie News. And they talked about um, the Jill's. Theory, Jill, Jill, the Jill theory, whatever they called it. Oh, the Jill theory. Yeah, um, right, right. The Jill theory. theory. We're going we're to write that, that down in all podcasts. Right. Is that um, the Jill theory? Sequels get poorer reviews than the original. Right. Like the second movie yep. in a franchise, mm-hmm. get, or even if it's not second in a franchise, but like a sequel gets right. more harsh reviews than the original, but but often makes more money. I I agree with that wholeheartedly. I or, think I think that, or makes that, as the much critics money. will be like, oh, it's not as good as the first, but everyone wants to see it anyway, right? Which you is know, the, which that's is actually the one of those things that the critics thing, like. The, the, I think that that, the that that's an example. Jill's rule is an example of the, yeah, and the people, disconnect right. between cre- critics and normals. Well, that, that's that's why I think that that Jill's rule is the one that that actually 
uh, is a good saying of, of why critics have lost their sway these days. I, I don't think that they have the power that they used to have when you see in front of a, uh, a trailer that like, oh, Rolling Stone says this is four stars. <laughs> I don't think people will give a darn. They really don't care anymore. Cisco and Ebert give it two thumbs up. Okay, so who cares? You know, John Johnson says that it's two two stars out of four. You know, who knows? Who cares what that guy is? Right. So, um, and, and I actually love the Deadpool trailers, Deadpool 2 trailers, who, who one of their big trailers is they're constantly saying that it's the best thing ever and it's wonderful. <laughs> and then at the end, they're like, no, none of these really things said. Anyway. Right. Rife with um, hyperbole. But, all right. But anyway, uh, just the fatigue thing with, with superhero movies, I, I thought that what you said bears reiterating here is that um, Marvel puts out superhero movies, but they put them out in a staggered genre type thing. You've got a, a Guardians of the Galaxy comes out that's really fun, and then you have you know a serious Captain America Winter Soldier come out. That's yeah, it's a superhero movie in the same universe, but they are totally different kinds of movies, you know. And then next later on, you'll you'll see a heist movie that's in that, or uh, and then you come back with another comedy with Ant Man movie, and it's just. These are different kinds of movies. And the Avengers Infinity War is the first one to really bring in all those genres together. Now, I've I've seen Infinity War now three times. And <laughs> it, it, I, just, I just have... It's great. It's a great one to watch. Um, the, the way that the, 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 the people who made that did it and brought that together is a genius. Um, it's very heavy at the beginning where you have the Tony Stark comes into um, Dr. Strange world, but they're very similar in mm-hmm. feeling and how their movies are. They're, they're very like straight. They're the straight Marvel kind of movies. And, and then, uh, and I, Spider-Man I comes in and he's somebody, very lighthearted. Somebody on, um, on screen junkies said that Benedict Cumberbatch feels more comfortable in the role of Dr. Stephen Strange in this movie than he did in his own movie. Like he's getting. Well, a, I agree. He's getting I think a better this feel. This was an origin it. story, and now he's, yeah, and now he's like, now I'm in charge of this, and I am Doctor Strange, which is great. Um, but all of a sudden, you have Making a major genre shift. <laughs> the wizard's right. That's right. Yeah, he says, "What? Uh, um, I, oh, hey, kid, that's that's the wizard. Go get him." He's like, "I'm on it." Um, <laughs> but the uh, you have a major genre shift when you combine this, and all of a sudden, when you you, you see. Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy are come on the screen and how they handle that. Oh, so perfect. Every time yeah. I watched it is that you cut away from Spider-Man and Tony being Tony is this very serious, like, Oh my God, I'm being stranded. And he's talking to Pepper for the last time. And it's like very serious. And all of a sudden you cut to a scene and it's playing an eighties kind of rock music. <laughs> and it's uh, and you see, you see outer space and it says space. You know, it, all of a sudden you've changed from this very serious moment, which is Tony and Doctor Strange, into a different movie, which is Guardians of the Galaxy, which is humor and fun and right. just hilarious. And Mixing. then they, what do they do? They mix that with the most recent hilarious fun comedy movie, which is Thor Ragnarok. And which, you just, all of a sudden you have that bridge. Interesting, you know, interesting um, theory. And I don't know, you know, it depends on how much credit you want to give the the showrunners of these films, but Thor Ragnarok was very sci-fi eighties Tron esque in its tone. Oh in yeah. Its feel. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Do, mm-hmm. Would you, would you give them credit for saying, for knowing that 
his storyline was going to intersect directly with the Guardians in the beginning of this movie, which that's not a spoiler. It's in the trailer. Um, right. And, and then no, kind of I, priming the pump with that tone in Thor Ragnarok. I, I got to say, I don't put anything past Kevin Feige anymore. Mm. He's the, the Marvel guy that's in charge of all of the, the Marvel stuff. I really don't. I think that when he, you know, looks at the, the broad scope of stuff and realizes that Thor needs to change to be successful as a movie. And what can we do? And we've got Guardians and their uh, Guardians is in space. It's wildly successful with with audiences and mm-hmm. it's a comedy we know that Thor is in space. I know that Feige knows that that's how they're going to tie these people together. He knows that the, the Guardians are going to be into the Avengers movies at some point and the Avengers world. How do we tie that together? Well, it's clear when we make the very first Thor that, oh, they're in space too. Right. This is the natural way to do it. So how do we save Thor? Easy. We're going to cross them off with the, cross them over with the Guardians anyway. Let's combine those kind of genres. I mean, the, the man's really, really savvy. And when you look at uh, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth's ability to have good comic timing, the yeah. way he does stuff. I mean, he just looks at that and says, this is the fit. Let's do this. Let's make it go. Let's hire the director and then have that long range plan. So I'll tell you what Marvel's biggest loss in history is going to be when he decides to retire. Mm-hmm. Whenever that is, or they move him on is when that guy runs stuff, changes hands it'll change hopefully we'll you know i mean th- you know thing, th- things will change things will move on i mean um you know stanley eventually right, he, will he, pass he's got it walt disney passed and they're you know disney is oh, different now dude, don't talk than you it was talk. it's close your dirty mouth not, not quite as anti-semitic as it was back in the day but uh, oh, we'll, true, we'll true, edit that true. out one thing one thing i want to anyway say, and that, then, that and then we yeah. we should move off this but um going back <laughs> to the the idea of the disconnect between critics and and the audience whatever i don't i don't know why critics are not included in the audience but um it's sort of a reflection because <laughs> they're not real people they're, they're not, not real, real people. they're not real people it's sort of a divide between commons and elites in a sense right like okay. like the the critics are like they're it's like um it's like when movies are made for movie makers right it, there are a lot of metaphors and expressions mm-hmm, around that like mm-hmm. inside baseball or um i think american beauty is one of those movies. there are certain um there are certain musicians that are like that like only other musicians can really appreciate the the complexity and the difficulty of or whatever the showmanship of of a piece where the 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 normals the masses are like yeah we we like um Dave Matthews band because we can sing along and dance and it's and it sounds good um but we are fortunate enough to be living in a time where people are making movies all the time about freaking everything right like we were <laughs> right. you, you and I were complaining I, or I was complaining you were arguing with me in the group chat earlier about this game fantasy movie league because of the oh, weird yeah, yeah. like I don't want to get into the details of that, but like, I don't like the way that it works. I'm like, if you're just, if it's just a prediction game, then don't pretend like it's a real theater. Cause it's not estimated like a real sure, theater. Sure, sure, sure. But the fact right. of the matter is sure, sure. with some, like some movies run week to week, but every week I think, I feel like there are at least four new movies every week. 
and I don't. I'm pulling that number. Yeah, it does feel that way. Out of thin it does, air, it but does feel that way. Like, the, well, especially as we end it, we we enter into the summertime. The, it feels the that fact way. of the matter is, sequels and comic book movies and movies in movies in the genre of speculative fiction, which we talked about last week, make up all but two. I think two of the movies in the top 10 grossing of all time, which again, it only accounts for the last 10, 20 years. The two that aren't are furious seven and Titanic. Everything else is like Avengers, <laughs> star Wars, and a couple others that are like, it's all make believe s- some amount of yeah. fantasy. And if right. The, the, the truth of the matter is that those sell well, they make money. And when, the the People companies that them. make films make mo- make money. They make more films in the same way that make more money. And if you don't like that, there is other stuff for you to watch, right? Like there right, there right. are movies all the time you can go see. They just made a movie about um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. There's there's stuff right. all you, the time. There are other things. Like it, right? There are other things to go see. And that's awesome. Right. I, I will say I, I like the dimension of the critics aren't real people. It's it's one of my the reasons that one of my favorite podcasts of all time is clearly Geek Scholars Movie News is because my great buddy, really per- close personal friend Fox <laughs> is 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 not a real person because I think on that crew he's the he's the critic. He's not that he's not really a person. He's just a fantasy guy. And then uh, Jill and Chris are the real people that we all go listen to. Would so you, when, when I when I listen to that podcast, I have like, there's the Fox opinion. He's not a real person. And then the rest <laughs> of the people is 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 the you know Chris, I listen to Chris and Jill, and they'll tell me what it's all about. So, <laughs> so you're, you're saying he's not real, like a like a fantasy? Oh, I think he's completely made up. I think he's a robot. He's just a he's not a real person. Would you would I you think call I saw him, him one time? At, would you call him a fantastic? <laughs> Mr. Fox, oh, a fantastic Mr. Fox, F A U X, Mr. Fox, right? F A W K E S, Guy Fox, K S, yeah, right. So, so anyway, I know we, we we like that show. So those are those are some of the reasons why I yep. really love that show. If you like movies, or if you don't, you should go check that out. Yeah, we're running long. Let's take yeah. just a minute here and talk about good news, everyone. Oh, good news. One of my favorite parts of the show. What do you got yeah. for me? Oh, man. Why do I got to go first? Why do I always got to go first? You press the buttons All right. and I All have right, to go I'll first. Go first. <laughs> I'll go first. <laughs> you uh, got to give me time to think because, uh, again, surprised here. All right. What do you got? All right. I got two things. They're they're both pretty minor. Um, yep. I, I enjoy learning and experimenting with the quote unquote art of cooking. And art of cooking. issue with okay. the fact that I put quotes around that, but... Art is a heavy word. It's pretentious. Whatever. Um, sure. I learned it. I learned a new technique in the last week for making poached eggs, which is like the, Ooh. the coup de gras. You are of fancy making eggs. Like the hardest way to make eggs, aside from hard boiling them and getting the shells to come off clean for uh, devil eggs. But, um, you so the, are so fancy. The, yeah, fancy. The technique works like mm-hmm. this. You you take a um, skillet water uh like yeah it's supposed to be two inches but i fill a cast iron skillet as much to where it's not gonna like (laughs) spill over breakfast when it boils i mean it's a pan you put water in it right okay all right it's 
takes more time for me to you explain used it. Than... Big words like cast iron already. So <laughs> those are both really small words. <laughs> okay, two all right. Sorry. Words Fill, words filling water two two idea. inches with with, okay. with water. Boil water in a in a skillet. Comes mm-hmm. to a boil. As it's boiling, and I I crack the eggs into a bowl. Right, however many. Oh, okay. To, right. Today today I made four. Uh, okay. Once the water's boiling, turn it off, drop the eggs in there, and put a lid on the pan. You got to have a lid that fits on the pan, and so then you just got to have it. a lid. Okay. I leave it as long as it takes me to make toast, and I toasted up a couple of English muffins while that was happening. Okay. Man, while fancy the, English muffins. Egg, eggs were cooking in the water. It's like eggs. Can we Benedict. call these British muffins? British muffins. Got it. <laughs> the, it's like <laughs> eggs Benedict, but with no meat and with no. Holiday sauce, because that's a whole... No, di- so you're saying thing. no heart and soul. That's what you're saying. Okay. Right. It. It's Check. just poached right. egg and, and English muffin, and I actually had some, <laughs> some This spinach. is truly a British breakfast, it sounds and like. Hot so. <laughs> and hot I'll put sauce. A picture, I'll put a picture. A little bit I'll on put there. the Instagram picture on show notes. It's very straightforward. Like, I made <laughs> eggs, and they looked cool, and they were delicious. The other, this the other thing... Cooking with Dennis. Right, cooking with Dennis. <laughs> the other minor thing is that... Uh, that it rained today, and I I am a fan of when it's kind of warm, and it rains, and then the, it cools down like the air cools down because of the rain. Mm-hmm. That to me is just. Uh, I'm gonna. It's I'm like gonna the say perfect day, right? I'm gonna say something super <laughs> pretentious. It's one right. of life's simple pleasures. Oh. You have British eggs and then life's simple pleasures all in the same <laughs> podcast. I know, I know. But, the, it, you know, it was nice. It cooled down. We had we had the windows open and it was not oppressively hot. Because, you know, if the temperature gets to like 71, that to me is oppressively hot, which is whatever. I live in the Midwest, <laughs> so I suffer okay. through all of it. But um, I'm like, I'm like oh, it's 71. nice. It's It's raining and the breeze coming in through the window is cool. And it was great. <laughs> well, th- those were good times. And I, I do agree with, with both uh, the, having a nice, really good cooking thing that you make that's, that's like, oh, that really came out well. And then those beautiful days. And today was great, especially with that, that rain that came. It was really hard. And then it just kind of calmed down. And it was beautiful mm-hmm, temperature. Mm-hmm. Cooled it off. I, I didn't know that. Um, mine was, my good news for the week has been uh, good family time. I, it, it's a, you know, you, mm. you get sometimes surprise uh family time some families a lot of times can be a mixed bag where you have like uh drama or you know sure, stuff back sure. going on things and then sometimes you can have just where everything fits together and your family comes together and it's really fun and good um and and this one wasn't necessarily just family but i had a friend come over on sunday actually we went over there and we hadn't seen her in a while and then we were hanging out my daughter and i and her daughter we just having a, a really good time um and then uh, we're like, hey, let's cook out. And we decided to go back to the house and we, we cook out and get some stuff. And we're just and it's one of those that instead of the, the kids going into another room and just playing like we expected and then the adults hanging out and just talking about life and whatever, that the kids decided right. they were going to hang out with us and they were just going to play. And then we all just kind of got wrapped up into it and became playing games with the kids and then my oldest daughter came over with her daughter and her husband just kind of out of the blue. We had said like, hey, come over. Sure, we're here. 
And then it became just this big family fun, talk about everything, spend hours together and just leave in mm. a really good mood. So that was Sunday, nice. a completely unplanned good time that we all kind of had. And, and I really enjoyed it. And you know what? Sometimes with your family, you don't want to deal with them. If you could just have them over for a good grill out and uh, put some, you know, <laughs> hamburgers out there. Home. Everybody goes home and it's really, really fun. So <laughs> it's, it's the time to do that. Everybody go out and invite your immediate family over to do some things. It's, it's good. Yeah. Stuff. I'm looking forward to next weekend, uh, hanging out with my, my brother and brother-in-law. We might, try and squeeze in a game of pandemic legacy that's been our long running we're yeah, still cool. on season one like march yep. or something because sure. we only play sure. it when we all can get together and uh david's played the lotr lcg so look forward to introducing that to phil and uh seeing oh seeing you, we... you might play some multiplayer for the first time right yeah yeah we'll see we'll see how that Man, that's going to be your good news next time i can tell it already a, a unique challenge speaking of challenge which was an unex- unexpected segue. Let's talk about just briefly part two of um, Violet Evergarden episodes six. Well, I saw six last week, but six slash seven to the end thirteen. Right. Um, what do you, what I don't. Do you, I don't. What do you I, think I, overall? Is your is your opinion somewhat improved? Would you recommend it? Uh, it's, 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 a, it's, it doesn't change too much. I'm a little bit softened on it a little bit. I was, I was a little hard because I felt it was a little boring. Yeah. I guess bit. I didn't use that word last week, but I felt that it was. Um, but it, it's softened because maybe that I've watched 13 episodes and, and it is a very endearing show. Um, I'd like to look back on my time with Violet Evergarden and <laughs> someone ask me about it and, and say, you know what? It's a very pleasant show that I felt you know, it, it, it really gets to the heart. It's a good soul filling kind of show and you'll enjoy yeah. it's beautiful. It's calm. Um, don't you, you, if you're looking at an anime to watch it for action and dragon balls and stuff like that, nah, that's not this one. This one is definitely a, a it's nothing, you know, it's nothing even close to that. So no, every episode is, is nice and to, kind. And I, and I really liked it. I started out and ended not to, um, not to put too fine a point on it, but do you have a, uh, a, a rating out of five. Well, that's man. I hate ratings because it's so like stark. It's, it's, rough. it's rough. I mean, it's too hard. If you look at it, if you if we put it in a well, genre and say and say it, say it's not anime genre, it's it's a, it's a drama. A what we call what kind of genre would you call this? Drama. It's yeah. Yes? I mean, the simplest the simplest meta category is is drama. I don't know what i would say to be more precise than that if it were if it were something else i could put it in you know shonen or etchy or any yeah. of those other I, anime I mean, genres I can't, but I it's can't, none that's of those the thing is i mean I, I that's why i said when you ask for a, a rating it's hard for me to say like oh this is a six well you put it up against like avengers affinity war okay no that's not this it's not fair to say that mm. you know and, and so if you ask a rating on this one you know if you're looking for a a a nice drama that's that's uh, I guess soul feeling, good feeling kind of type of show. Uh, I'd give this a good six or seven on there. I mean, it's it's it made me feel good, and there were some emotional parts. And out of uh, there's definitely parts I didn't like that we, we earlier on off the air we talked a little bit about the episode with the little girl who I thought is like this is why you should never have kids and people should never have kids anymore because they're annoying and terrible. 
when you have kids like that kid. But then again, that episode went on to be like really, really emotionally good. Um, it's, yeah, so without 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 giving spoilers that I and I said this last week, I found a surprising amount of I'm going to say emotional resonance while I'm on the on the track of saying things really pretentious. Um, <laughs> it's it's just a way of me saying that that's something that happened in most of the episodes, more than half, not every episode, but probably two thirds to three quarters of the episodes um emotionally moved me in some way so, you know some i got a little choked up there was one that i was straight up crying and i'm like what am <laughs> i right. you know at this Had the but tears. I'm, you know i'm you know listeners of the show will know that i have some weird kind of psychological thing where i can cut through the distractions and connect to the emotions of something in an anime in something yeah. not real, um, in a way that's much more difficult in a real show with real people. A real show, you know what I mean? A, a live right. action show no, it, with it, actual because with it's actual translating actors. the emotions more than the actual like physical. You, you just get straight all. to the emotions of it. So, um, right. I really, I really enjoyed this, and enjoyed is almost is almost too is almost the wrong word to use. Um, if you are in the right frame of mind to watch something emotional something i don't i don't really want to say emotionally heavy though it is mm-hmm. um i talked to uh my brother andrew oh, i think it definitely is. is i think it definitely who, is. who has been on the show he watches much more anime than me he watched this show when it was coming out which was quote-unquote last season i think there are like three or maybe four anime seasons in a year um he watched it last season, and he said it's probably his favorite of last season. Nice. Um, I don't know that I've even seen a single other anime from that season, so I have nothing nothing to compare it with as far as that goes. Um, yeah. But I think, without getting any more specific from things you've said, the things I've said, like who should or shouldn't watch this movie, um, I think if you're you know, if you're not into anime, if the style of it bothers you or you can't or won't read subtitles, though, again, it's Netflix. So I'm sure that it's the, dubbed. the English dub, while still making more awkward the cultural difference between Jap- Japan and, and the U.S., uh, whatever. Um, but if you're if you're a person who watches dubbed anime, you're probably not bothered by that stuff anyway. Um, right. And you're in the mood to, there's very little that's funny. It's not a comedy. Um, no, right. It's not, it's not action packed. It's not, um, nope. Dragon Ball Z. It's not, uh, My Hero Academia. Um, it's yep. not Little Witch Academy. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> uh, it's not Food Wars. There are no sexy times. Um, it's, it's, it's it's definitely an adult show. I mean, I, I it's definitely it's adult and not and not in the way that uh, Kakegurui was adult. Like, there's no, no. Oh. there's no sexual content. It's just it's just heavy. Like, there was a war, yeah. and the main character was a weapon in this war. Like, she killed people. It's a it's a heavy. It's not a kid story. Um, 
you know, in the sense just that there are quote unquote mature themes. Um, have you ever played that? Have you ever played that game called Valkyria Chronicles? No, I think you've talked about that before. Is that? Yeah, it's um, a it's an it's an it's anime game. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, well, I think it was PC and console. I, they, mm-hmm, I mean, it was mm-hmm. back in like PlayStation two or three days. Um, and then they've re-released it again later. And there was a Valkyria okay. Chronicles too. But but anyway, it's um, uh, it's the gameplay in it is very much like. Final Fantasy Tactics. You've played that, right? Or, or understand that it's a, like a tactics-based game where you place on a grid and you have like wizards and jobs and stuff like that that you have abilities with. Um, but anyway, it was a very tactical game. That's what it was. Just a tactical game. Um, but the cutscenes and the uh, role-playing part of it, because there's a huge role-playing component to it, uh, and the mm-hmm. characters that you get were very much like this Violet Evergarden. It's 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 the music and the artwork and everything that went with it was so emotionally touching that when you're done playing the game, you feel like, oh, that was a really good game. It just made you feel good or not good, but like you cared for these characters and the people mm. in the world and the war. And then now I look back at it and I think that it's not the gameplay, which it was great gameplay, but it wasn't the gameplay that I loved so much about that game. It was this, this drama that Violet Evergarden does successfully give a, give me back in, in a, in a, in a, a, a movie or a show. Um, so when I want to, I tell people to like, Oh, Valkyria Chronicles is great. I can't tell them that because, oh, go go play this really fun game, which is a fun game, but it's because it's one that you need. Hopefully you can sit down and watch and listen and read and hear the stuff and like, oh, this is a story that's touching in the same way that Violet Evergarden is. Yeah. And it's just, um, you know, I I talked about this a little bit last week, but the idea of just like communicating because, it, you know, as we walk through life, again, just I, I'm so pretentious this, this last <laughs> half of this show. But, like, our situations in life, like you talked about family earlier during Good mm-hmm. News or when people have difficulties in their workplace or any of their, those things. Like, so many, like, negative situations like drama or misunderstandings or conflicts or whatever arise from problems of communication, right? Yeah. And so there's something in... It's part of why I really love um, Patrick Rothfuss's Kingkiller Chronicles, though, again, Mm -hmm. it's not finished, so who knows. But um, I appreciate that he's very efficient with the writing, and I also appreciate the theme of... How do you tell a story? Like, how do you communicate this information in a way that is effective, right? In a way that I don't even know how to how to describe it better than is is effective, um, right? And and there was so much in this show that did that that just that just cut right through it. That was like, you know, it said something and an, and another. The other character understood it, and it was great. Yeah. Um, so, what, what would you again? My my difficulty in explaining it is a it is at? a perfect uh, perfect example of of why that's so <laughs> um, it's so valuable because it's so rare. 
um, that right. that just perfection of of communication. Um, so you got to you got to score it. You made me do it. That's true. Uh, out of ten, I mean, yeah, you're right. That the the problem with putting numbers is that it's very um, conditional. It's very uh, qualified. Yeah. As as far as as far as me, my reaction to it in compa- in whatever in comparison to other anime that I've seen, other Netflix originals that I've seen, it's it's at least an eight. Nice. And, and again, if you're looking for something funny, if you're looking for something something action packed, this isn't that. Um, yep. But if you're looking for, and again, like. If you go into it expecting like heavy emotional, th- I think you're, you know, you're priming your expectations to be disappointed. Uh, <laughs> All right. Just, just in general, it's not like that's a Forrest part, Gump or anything. It's right. part of my whole, my whole thing. The the writing is, it's generally episodic. You know, the character grows mm-hmm. over time, it but is. but the stories in each episode are generally isolated. The you know, some of them come back uh, toward the end, and just for the sake of without without really spoiling it, um, a lot of the questions that Mike raised last week, as far as like how the the character, like her origin and how she, none of that is really answered. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, right. it's not in in my opinion, it's not really important to the story all you really need to know is that she started out as a person who didn't understand personal interaction and emotions she still felt them but i I think that's something that that made me appreciate the story more not necessarily like it more but it made me appreciate it more was when i gave up on those things that like okay that's not this that's not what this is about this is this is an episodic show where it's it doesn't it doesn't and I, really okay, that's matter. The point. Right. And, like, and when I realized that the, what I'm watching this next time, or we used to say next week, this next episode, mm-hmm. it's not something to look forward to to see what's going to happen or even advance with the character really at all. It's an episodic thing that I'm going to have some kind of emotional thing presented to me in a different way. And yeah, that made I me mean, appreciate it more. It's It's a little bit... I mean, this is true of a lot of things, but the property that comes to my mind is um, the Battlestar Galactica reboot, right? right. A a sci-fi show that um, famously has very little scientific explanation for any of the things that are true about the show, right? Like the Cylons, the, the human-appearing Cylons, when they die, have their memories uploaded into the minds of all of the other copies of that model, right? All of the other, they're all the same actor or actress, but um, none of that is explained, right? Like later you get some like, Hey, they need this ship here to make this work, but it's, it's not explained. And they, you know, they jump uh, FTL faster than light. From one point to another. That's not explained either. Because it doesn't really matter. What matters right. is that their enemy, who the last time they fought 
were robots that looked like robots that were metal now look and feel just like humans and that's a whole new level of of fear and psychological warfare like the changelings in in deep space nine star trek um the the technology of it doesn't matter and this is the same way like the the backstory that the how and the why doesn't matter it's the the emotions and the communication that are the the focal point of the story right all right so let's talk about our next one next week we've got a little bit of a different week here going on we've got a memorial day holiday weekend here in the u.s Mm, right and so we're we're i was thinking we could watch change from this very heavy emotional type thing to a a let's see if you go for this or not that's the best way it's a a comedy for sure all right um so did you ever watch arrested development oh of course okay well not everybody has um Hmm. i really did you like it did you like i should say i should very in my opinion did you like arrested development i've seen I've seen the real Arrested Development, the first three seasons, <laughs> at okay, least like twice, <laughs> a lot of it three times, poss- possibly okay. more. Okay, I, I have a feeling where, where this is going to fit with what you're saying here. Uh, when you said the real, that means that, that they did come out with Netflix, took it over, and claimed it and made a fourth season. I'm assuming you and weren't a big fan of the fourth season like a lot of people, the, right? The, they made a huge mistake. Right, it... it I would I would not say that they made a mistake because I, I'm glad that they made more, but they just did not do well with it. Um, there, there's no, a lot of behind the scenes thing that made that made that that season not good. Um, I I personally didn't like it much at all, and I really really like this show. Um, the the it's important to know for our challenge, I guess I should say. The, the, so for this this show, uh, it's an episodic show that's really, really no, it's not an episodic show at all. It's not at all. It's a, it's a series show and it's hilarious and great. And if you haven't watched Arrested Development, you should watch it. It's on Netflix. Go watch it. It's hilarious. Um, and season four, it was made many years after season three. Netflix like bought almost it almost a decade. Oh, it was a long time. Um, and, and it was a cult classic and, you know, everyone loved it and the, the people who were involved with it loved it and the actors and everything. Uh, but within 10 years, a lot of those actors had became pretty successful in their own right and had been doing their own things out in the world. So scheduling mm-hmm. them to make a remake, even though they really wanted to do it, was very tricky. Um, sure. So what they had to do was do this scheduling thing where they could just like, okay, they'll do a kind of an episodic thing and they'll film their own scenes, but they don't do a lot of crossing over. So there they didn't have the best thing about that show was that it's an ensemble show where you have a lot yeah. of great characters and great actors interacting with each other. You get a lot but of because quick, of this quippy kind of interaction. Yes. Absolutely. But with season overlaid four, with, because of with Ron Howard's amazing narration. Oh Yes. But season four, because of the scheduling, you could not have them interact with each other the same yeah, way that just you would want to have. It was too difficult. Logistically. So, but they went ahead with it anyway, and that really caused problems when you have a whole episode based on one character, and that one character is hilarious, but you don't want to have a, whole, have a whole show based on that, just that one. You need to have intercuts. It's what made it yeah. work. They really tore that down. Okay, so the point of this is that uh, the director okay. for that this? had recognized. Yeah, right. The director had recognized that um, this was not a success. This, this is not as good, and, and he loved no. it, and it was disappointed with it. Um, has decided that 
the way he told that story was wrong. It was based in a not chronological order. Things overlapped and it was very confusing. So they remixed the whole thing and he recut the whole series hmm. to fit in a chronological order and overlap things where they would feel and show that the cast was interacting. And it's called like season four remix. Um, there's an actual episode for it, but it launched as a, uh, Netflix relaunched it and kind of replaced the original series with it. The original it's a series, huge uh, season four. The original series four, right? It's a huge change for a, a a director or a showrunner to say I've made a mistake and get a chance to remake it and recut it and redo it again. Not only did they get a get a chance to make a season four, they get a chance to redo season four. So I'd like to propose that we watch season four again, even though we've seen it before. And then we can have a whole different kind of conversation about whether we like it or don't like it. Okay. So yeah, we'll give that a try. I'm, I'm reminded of like Blade Runner and, uh, the remastered Star Wars movies, but, uh, you know, we're in, we're in a different time now. This might be more the case of like, (laughs) Tolkien going back and rewriting the uh, riddles in the dark chapter of the Hobbit to set up Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> right. Might be, right. Might be fine. Uh, so what are we looking at here? Um, yeah. I can't remember how, how many episodes there's five, like 13, eight, episodes. 12. Five. Jeez. It's a whole season. It's like 22 episodes, but oh, it's wow. Memorial weekend next weekend. So let's shoot for, what do you want to say? Five. That's good. Yeah, that's not. We're, we definitely don't want to go like half and do it all. It's, they're it's they're only five. they're only half an hour, so that should be doable. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how. Right, and, and if they're any good, like I I binge watched the first three seasons like in no time flat because they were just yeah you want to watch them and they're hilarious. Yeah. So if they're good, we'll love it <laughs> and it'll be easy. If they're not, we'll 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 get through five and say okay, enough with this. But okay, so anyone watching along with us, watch uh, Arrested Development season four remix. And, on Netflix, and we'll, episodes on Netflix. one through five. Called it's called actually it's called season four remix fateful consequences. Fateful so, consequences, right? And we can we can revisit Job and and all of the uh, great antics of <laughs> Tobias and Michael and maybe her. Right, Anne. Right, Anne. All right, that's, that's the star of the show. Anne, Anne, way to plant. Remember Anne? Yeah, her. Her. All right, everybody. You've been listening to The Front Porch, episode 39. Special thanks, as always, to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News. Our website is frontporchpodcast.com. If you go there, you can find show notes and links for this episode, along with our contact information. We do love hearing from our listeners. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts mm-hmm. or anywhere podcasts are found. And while you're there, if you leave us a review, that helps us out a lot. Absolutely. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the front porch. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.